Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I'm going to discuss with you about the challenges of growing a business. Growth in business is challenging, as you all know, and I think we're, if you've never ran a business or you're considering buying one, which has been a big topic over the last, you know, probably six or eight months for me specifically. And as you know, if you're a listener, you know, I'm, I'm fully convinced that we are in a small business crisis. I mean, we have 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day like 19 to 22% of all businesses are owned by these baby boomers. They don't have a succession plan. A lot of businesses that are in existence just get closed down. There's a statistics that shows that I think 50% of all businesses never even get listed. And of the businesses that do get listed, I think only 60% ever end up even getting offers and then like 40% end up selling or something like that. And it's a challenging time. You know, as a young business owner, when I owned my first business, we had a a large conglomerate, an $8 billion company called Mezzo Resources based out of Finland, I believe. They, you know, they approached us and wanted to buy a portion of our business. And we literally went through eight months of hell working with these guys, try to get a deal done. And at the end of the day, it came down to the point where we were, you know, about a million dollars apart. It was not a, an enormous number, but a big enough number to, to make sense. And then one of us, me or my partner, was going to have to go work for them for three years, which isn't what we really wasn't the reason why we really started the business. And so anyway, long story short, we decided to walk away. And the reason why I bring that up is I understand how challenging it is for you know a business owner that's not sophisticated to spend six or eight months of their life with an outside company trying to buy them. This is you know while we're simultaneously trying to run a business. And most of the time, small businesses are being ran on a a shoestring budget anyway. It's not like we have a bunch of you know extra time and employees sitting around. And so when you've got some big company that comes in and you know, wants to take 30% of your accounting team's time for eight months and 30% of your time for eight months, it is a nightmare. So a little bonus tip, this is not really what this uh, show is going to be about, but the bonus tip here, I guess, is if you're out looking to acquire businesses, try to figure out a way to make it easy for your seller or easiest for your seller, because there's nothing more frustrating for a seller than getting asked for minutiae details that really don't matter. So again, little bonus tip, If you're out buying businesses, make it as easy as possible. And then on the other side of it, another little bonus tip, if you're listening to this and you are a business owner and are considering selling at some point in time, get your books cleaned up, get your systems cleaned up, get the KPIs or the metrics that companies in your industry are going to be looking for, get those cleaned up. So anyway, back to growth in business. One of the greatest challenges in growing a business is you growing as a leader. Trust me, it's painful. But if you hear me out today and you, you know, really dig deep and look at yourself as a business owner or someone who wants to potentially in the future own a business, or one other thing that I think is a good place to you know, point out right now, a lot of times as real estate investors, we don't actually think about the fact that we're running a business. Now, if you're truly, truly, truly a passive real estate investor, meaning 
you're buying real estate and you've got a simple system set up that doesn't take a lot of your time to acquire properties and then you immediately turn it over to a property management company and you hear from them you know, once or twice a month, maybe at the most. You don't have to make a lot of decisions. You've got this thing systematized. The property management company gives you reports. You take those reports and turn it over to a bookkeeper, meaning you're truly passive. Great. Congratulations. But most real estate investors are not truly fully passive. And as we grow our portfolio, which as a side note, I have had so many conversations with people. Most people's dream or goal is not to own one or two properties and then be done. Most people are like, oh yeah, in order to get to my passive income goal, I have to get to 45 doors or 55 doors or whatever the number is. And guys, that's just, that's just really not passive for the most part. Most, most investors that have that level of portfolio are not passive. Let me put it that way. Now, again, if you're that investor that's going to get to 45 doors and you're truly going to figure out how to outsource all that to a property management company and, and stay out of the way and it's truly passive, awesome. But the reality is most real estate investors are really just, I don't think they think about this or we think about this, but if we're going to get to 100 doors or 200 doors or 500 doors or whatever the number is, you're probably running a business. So one of the greatest challenges in growing a business is you growing as a leader. As I said a few minutes ago, trust me, it's painful. I've, I've been through it so many times. And it's always, 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 always about me. We don't like that. You know, we want to make it, oh man, he's so hard to find good help. And it's people just don't do it the same way that I do. And, you know, I just, this generation of millennials, they just don't know how to work. And People always just let me down. I don't know if any of this sounds familiar, but I've said it so many times and I hear it all the time from my direct leaders too. And one of the, thing, one of the things about becoming a better leader and growing as a leader is you have to recognize that even as you're working on yourself, you're going to have to be working on your number twos and your number threes and your direct reports. So here's the first question, and we talk about this all the time, but what do you really want? We have to make sure that you know, as we're planning our future and we're really thinking about what it is we want in life, that we're very careful and, and, and our vision is really clear on what that looks like because you might just wake up one day with 100 employees and realize that's not what you really wanted or vice versa. You might wake up one day and have become a micromanager and, and you can only do it yourself. And if it's going to get done right, it's got to be done by me kind of mentality. And then all of a sudden you wake up with 2,000 clients or, you know, this big company that you've built and you have so much work on your plate that you've lost your life. You're working 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week because you didn't delegate along the way and the business determined which way your life was going to go for you. And that, again, that could go either way. So you have to really determine what you really want. Most of us are getting into business for a few select reasons. Number one, we want a better lifestyle. Um, we want to make more money but also we want freedom. We want freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want. We don't want to be told what to do, et cetera, et cetera. Those two points could be conflicting. In order to make more money, we have to have more clients, we have to have more employees, and if we don't structure properly, that means that we could have less freedom. I'm here to tell you that you can have both. I've, I've done it many times. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't go into seasons of grind in order to get a few key people in place a few key systems built out, et cetera, but that's with a specific purpose. So you go deep, deep, deep into work and you might spend three or four months really grinding it out. But on the other side of that, you've got a clear outcome and, and you know what's on the other side. You know that you know, freedom's coming on the other side of that. So 
getting really clear on what you want is extremely important. And like I said, freedom and financial gain could be at odds with each other, but trust me, they don't have to be. That's what the whole point of this podcast is in investing for freedom is figuring out ways to gain financial freedom while keeping our time freedom and the flexibility to do whatever we want. And again, as I said, trust me, it's possible. I've done it. So a few things that I'm going to tell you about growth in business, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep on these. I'm just going to give you kind of like the high level of a few things that I think are really important if you want to grow a business out. Number one, this is all about you becoming a better human. We spend so much time looking at the other people in our world that are problems, whether it's customers, whether it's employees, you know, whatever it is. And the reality is it always, always, always is about you. This is about you becoming a better human. You got to become a better leader. You have to become a better listener. And what does that mean, Mike? Every single day, it's about waking up and really just growing as a human. It could be reading books. It could be taking courses. It could be hiring a coach. I'm an advocate of this, as you know, but you know, even when I started my first business in 2004, I immediately realized that I was a young plumber coming out of the field. And yeah, I was good at running jobs and I was great at you know, leading people, but I had no accounting experience whatsoever. I had some leadership experience and some management experience, but I had never ran a business. I didn't know what running a business looked like. So I immediately went out and hired a consulting company that came in for six weeks. It cost us like $110,000 to do this over six weeks when we didn't have $110,000. We knew we needed to do this because basically it was like, well, okay, we can either spend the money and run out of money or we can not do this training and not know how to do accounting and bookkeeping and not have systems set up. And we're going to probably run out of money anyway. Money is never, ever, ever the problem. Knowing how to solve the problem is the bigger problem. Money is plentiful. It's available. I'm not saying that I haven't come down to the wire sometimes, but money has never been the issue. Um, I'm always the issue. Not solving problems in the business is the issue. Putting my head in the ground. Even if it is a money problem, you can't stick your head in the ground. You got to go figure out the money problem. And I've never had a business go out of business on me. I've never lost a business because I ran out of money. I've shut businesses down because it was no longer serving me. My life was going in a different direction, but I've never lost a business because I didn't have enough money. Money's not the problem. So this is all about you becoming a better human, a better leader and a better listener. So how do we become a better leader? You got you to surround yourself with leaders. I mean, you're listening to this podcast right now, so you're probably wanting to grow in, in certain areas of your life. There's podcasts out there that are all about leadership and mentoring. The Harvard Business Review Journal is great. Inc. Magazine is great. Entrepreneur Magazine is great. There's books, some of my favorite books, good to great, really changed the way that I did business. Um, Traction, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, but Traction is one of the best books ever written, in my opinion, around in the internal processes in your business. And then there's the other books that go along with Traction, Get a Grip, Rocket Fuel. There's a new book out. I, I'm, I'm going to miss what the title is, but I think it's... Anyway, Gino Wickman has a new book out, something about the entrepreneur's journey or something like that. I haven't read it yet, but I'm super, I'm super excited to read it. So anyway, this is all about you just becoming a better human. We always, we want to make the problem about everybody else, but it's really, it's really about us. So number two, delegating. Now, everybody talks about delegation, but there's a few simple things that I think delegation really means. Number one, if you really, really, really want to get this right, hire the best and get out of their way. If you're not going to do it that way, so I want to preface the next thing by saying this, if you're going to hire the best and get out of their way, it's going to cost you obviously more than hiring 
someone who isn't the best and, and trying to train them to delegate. So the second part of this would be prepare to train the best. So hire based on values, which again is a thing that Traction is going to teach us. We have to be very, very clear on what our values are. And by the way, this isn't like a, you know, a 10 list thing that we put on a poster and stick on a wall. When you really determine what your few core values are, like maybe two, three, five values that are non-negotiables, that's really where this becomes important because if you hire based on values and then you have to train, well, no matter what too, backing up, even if you're going to hire the best and get out of their way, you need to hire the best that, have, that share the same values as you. You could have the best salesman in the world, but he could be a shyster and not align with your values. And, and that's not really the best. So it's really important that your values align. So even with, like I said, hiring the best and getting out of their way, make sure that their values align with you. That's where we run into problems is when we're not value aligned. If we're going to prepare to train the best because we don't want to hire the best, we don't want to pay for the best, then still hire based on values. But now you've got to really, really, really realize that it's going to take a lot of your time delegating. And you know, a lot of times when we delegate things, and I'm so guilty of this, for me, honestly, I would rather hire the best and get out of their way because I'm not great at taking a whole lot of time training. And so what we think delegation is, you might relate to this, what we think delegation is, is saying, hey, do this job. I want you to take over management of this and then expect them to know and understand exactly how you'd want it done. It doesn't work that way. I had a mentor back in the day, his name was Ron Luce, um, and he ran, Karen and I used to be um, youth pastors and we ran a youth ministry. And we would take the kids once a year to these conventions where they'd pack these arenas with like 30 to 50,000 kids called Acquire the Fire. And Ron Luce was the guy that head, headed this up and he had a, like a internship program where he took like 2,000 interns every year. And basically these interns ran this company and put on these conferences. Imagine like 2,000 teenagers that are putting on shows of like 30 to 50,000 teens and bringing in these major speakers and all this stuff. And like you look around and the, this whole thing's being ran by teenagers. But, you know, Ron talked about this one time. He said that he had to realize early because he's kind of a perfectionist, he's a visionary wants things done exactly right. Well, he had to realize early on that when you build a company out with 2,000 interns and even employees, I think he had three or 400 employees, they're not going to do it the same way that you are. And you just have to come to a point where it's really, really challenging. There's this old statement where people are always like, why don't you just act like an owner? I wish employees would act like an owner. Well, if employees knew how to act like an owner, they'd be an owner. That's kind of like a fallacy. Now, I'm not saying that there are employees out there who take ownership. It's true. There are some. And you might be saying to me, Mike, well, I, I do take ownership. I have pride in my work. Well, yeah, but you're also listening to the Investing for Freedom podcast and you're a self-educated person. You're a different level human. And I want you to realize that because we don't know how amazing we are because we spend all of our time in our own head. But the reality is if you're that person saying that right now, Mike, I take ownership. That's not true. You're a different level human. You're already working on number one about becoming a better human, a better leader, a better listener. So don't get offended by what I just said. If, if you do take ownership, good, you're going to be a next level human. But most people don't, and we can't expect them to. And Ron Luce actually said that, you know, he got to a point where he said, look, if I can get 2,000 kids doing things 60 to 80% as well as I would do it, that's so much more work that we're getting done. done. And the key to that, the key to the success in this is making sure that critical tasks are either taught, trained, or not delegated. So this comes down to, you know, number three, this might be, if you hear me out here and you actually use this, this might be one of the most powerful tools for you. It has been for me. 
So whenever I'm struggling with delegation or I have too much on my plate and vice versa, whenever I hire somebody and I start hearing them say, Mike, I have too much on my plate. I can't get that done. Or they're missing deadlines because you've given them too much. I take a legal pad and I just literally divide it into three sections vertically. And at the top of it, I write have to do in the first column, should do in the second column, and shouldn't do in the first, or in the third column, sorry. And I literally write down, I keep that with me for a couple of weeks, and I write down all the tasks that as I do them I, I put them, I put them into the should do, put them into the have to do, should do, and shouldn't do columns. And what you'll find is that a lot of these things are going to go into the have to do column, and you can coach around that. So you can look, that you could do this one of two ways. If it's yourself, you know, really spend time looking at that have to. And I promise you that a lot of those have to things in those columns, after you think about it and you sit on it and you realize how many things are in your have to do column, you're going to be able to start, your brain is going to automatically start working and moving that over to the should do or even the shouldn't do list. I've literally had things that I had on the have to do list that moved directly to the shouldn't do column. And whether I had somebody already or not, I just have to go figure out who gets this task. Is it somebody new? Is it outsourced? Is it somebody that's already here that could do this for me? This will be a powerful, powerful lesson. And by the way, this isn't just for you to do on yourself. If you've got your list, you could even give it to a peer or a business partner or even you know, your next level managers. Talk to your wife or your husband about this. You could literally go to your next level managers and say, hey, look, I've got so many things on my have to list and I know you do too. So we're going to go through this exercise with you. But is there anything on this have to list that you think that you should be doing for me? They it would fall on your have to list because that's the other thing as we start working through this. A lot of times there's things on other people's lists that they should, they say that they should be doing. Now, usually people are not going to think about things that they're not currently doing and add it to their list. But as we start collaborating as a team, this is a good tool to find out where it should land. Now, I've already kind of alluded to this, but it's an important and powerful tool for you, but it's even more important or just as important for your people below you. So again, if you have people that are missing deadlines, they're saying they have too much on their plate, they can't get things done for three or four weeks that are critical, this is a good exercise to go through with them. Have them keep track of this and then you know, say, hey, in a week, I want you to bring me this list back. We're going to keep working on it for the next month, but I want this list you know, next Thursday, and you and I are going to look at it together. And this is one of the most powerful exercises. Because again, most things that they think they need to be doing are going to be on their should do list. And you might find I recently just did this with my assistant, you might find out that there's things on her list that she thinks are on her have to list that you think you could probably move to the shouldn't do list. She just didn't know she could outsource it like little things like some Instagram stuff that we have going on, you know, she had it on her have to list because she didn't realize that she could delegate it or, or who she would even delegate it to or that she even had a budget to delegate it. And I realized that I could save her five hours a week by delegating some Instagram stuff. And I told her, go out to Upwork and find the person that could do it. And she found somebody that could do her five hours a week task for like $60 a week. And it's working great. And so have to, should do, shouldn't do. I'm going to button this up with kind of talking about traction not going to go too far into this, but uh, four and five are kind of looped together. And I think the best tool on this, solving this problem, is traction and EOS. So the first, number four is determine what you're really good at and go all in on that. We're, for the most part, like we're all really good at two or three or four things. I'm really, really good at like three things. 
And I'm a visionary, by the way. I, reading, if you read Rocket Fuel, it'll tell you whether you're a visionary or an integrator. And not everybody's one or the other. You know, some people are just going to probably be employees forever. That's fine. But if you're listening to this, it's probably not you. So you probably either have some visionary tendencies or integrator tendencies and figuring out what you're really good at. And even outside of visionary and integrator, like what's your core skill set? There's a lot of profile tests out there, DISC, Colby, Myers-Briggs, that kind of stuff. Just helping you figure out like who, like as a person, like kind of what your tendencies, what, what you lean toward. And then, you know, outside of that, like it's even jobs and all that kind of stuff. I think we put so much pressure on young people to figure out what they want to be when they grow up, which is sad because I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm a visionary and I want to do a lot of different stuff. And if you took a visionary at the age of 13 or 14 and told him that, or her, that he had to spend the next 50 years of his life working one job, he'd probably short circuit. That's probably, you know, half the reason why the school system's so broken. But determine what you're really good at and determine if you're a visionary or an integrator. Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman is a great book to read to just get an understanding of what I'm talking about. And then Traction is the book that teaches us how to implement all of this stuff in our business. So determine what you're really good at. Number five, there's a couple of core things in the Traction book that gets, it brings, it really drives it home. And it's going to take a while to get this implemented. You can't read the book and just expect, expect this to be implemented you know, overnight. You can choose to self-implement, which we started that way for six or seven months, but then I realized I couldn't be objective as a visionary. And so then we brought in an EOS implementer, which as a side note, if you are at a point in your business where you think you want some help implementing traction, reach out to me. Just text me the word traction to 480-531-7519. And I'll get you connected with my EOS coach. She is a ninja. I mean, she is awesome. And it doesn't mean you have to go with her, but if you think you're ready, reach out to me. Text the word traction to 480-531-7519. And like I said, I'll, you know, I might ask you a few questions to make sure you're ready before I kick you over to her. But like I said, she's a ninja. She's like changed the way that I think about life. So there's a couple of things in the traction book. And again, you can read this. You don't have to have an, an, an implementer. GWC gets it, wants it, and capacity to do it. Huge, huge tool when we're learning to delegate or even evaluating current roles and positions. Gets it, wants it, capacity to do it. I'm not going to spend a, time, a lot of time here talking about what that is. Just go read the traction book. But does this person get the job? And you rate them based on a plus, plus, minus, or a minus. Does this person want the job? Plus, plus, minus, minus. Does this person have the capacity to do it? Plus, plus, minus, minus. And you set the benchmark based on the gets it, wants it, capacity to do it. Can, does it have to be at least two pluses and a plus, minus? Does it have to be at least one plus, two plus, minuses? Can they have a minus in order to get hired at your company? Can they have a minus in order to keep their job if they get a minus based on a current valuation? Do they have three months to get it up to a plus minus? That type of thinking. And then, of course, I already mentioned this, but the values is probably the most important part. So when you hire around your values, really, really important. Let's pull this together. I remember a time when I, it was actually, well, there was two times when I was running my first business. There was a, some challenges we were going through in 08. And then when I was, after I had sold it, that I found myself asking the question, like, how do I find a business with no employees and no customers? I was literally looking to find a business that I didn't have to deal with people. And that's where my mindset was at at that point in time. And I quickly obviously shook out of that because people are the only thing that matters. Like at the end of the day, the human interaction, the community, et cetera, it's all that matters. It's the whole purpose. It's the whole reason why we're here. 
That's why I do what I do at Investing for Freedom. I'm still, there, there's a couple ways that we're monetizing the podcast a little bit here and there, but for the most part, I'm just showing up adding value. I love the Zig Ziglar quote, you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. And it's all about humans on the other side of this. And so, you know, when I, when I went through that period of time where I said I wanted to find a business with no employees and no customers, again, I quickly shook myself out of that. And once you realize that growth in business is all about becoming a better version of you, a better human, as I said, a better leader, a better listener, it's the same on both sides, by the way, employees and customers. If you want to be a better business owner, you have to listen to your customers. You have to be a better human. If you want to be a better leader in that business, you have to be a better human. You have to be a better listener. You have to be a better leader. So this all comes down to the human element. And if you want to run a better business, you need to become a better teacher. You need to become a better delegator. You need to really understand what your strengths are. You need to really understand what it is you really want. Because like I said, if you don't know exactly what you want out of that business, you might find yourself in a place where you got exactly what you didn't want. Because again, at the end of the day, I think the reason why we're doing this, whether it's investing in real estate or starting your own business or leading your own team or whatever it is, you're doing it for financial gain and gain of freedom. And those two things could conflict if you're not careful. So hope this helps you. Really, the only way to scale is to gain more customers, more clients, and that probably in involves more employees. So yeah, hopefully this helps you become a better leader and, and gave you some tools to go out there and make it a great week. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you'd take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.